Hey guys, it's Jim. Welcome to the Holmes Politicast. Today, I'll be your host this for this 40 minutes or so. Um, I wanted to start with uh, a couple of memes that I saw t- this week. One of them was uh, with it. I, I don't know who posted it, uh, but I saw it a couple of times on Twitter where it showed, uh, it said, what the nominees are doing this Memorial Day. And they, have, of course, had Biden dressed in his suit, laying a wreath at uh, some tomb in Delaware. And they had Donald Trump out golfing, you know, and they were making the point that, you know, one of them is presidential and the other one doesn't care. But, I mean, that is completely false. I wanted to make that clear to anyone who may have seen that and believed it. Um, Donald Trump did go golfing over the weekend. Uh, this is, of course, after he had, he's been holed up in the White House since the beginning of this coronavirus. He hasn't gone on vacation. He hasn't gone to Mar-a-Lago or any of these, you know, his usual places that he goes in the wintertime and early spring. You know, he's been giving his uh, daily press conferences, uh, talking about the updates on the virus and, and, uh, and these things. And so... He finally had a weekend off and he went in and went golfing. But on Monday, he was he was at the Arlington National Cemetery laying wreaths at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and you know doing doing the things that most presidents do on Memorial Day honoring those who have served or those who have died in in service. Um, but you know they were I mean was trying to make it look as if he's just out golfing and while while Biden is out working. Of course, you know, they didn't show the contrast, which was, as I said, Trump has been working for the past three months, giving updates, and Biden's been hiding in his basement. You know, that, you know, but the one day that he comes out of his hole to uh, put put a wreath out there, they make it sound like he's Mr. Presidential and and Trump's out golfing. So I just wanted to clear that up. It, it really annoyed me when I saw it. it. It was very deceptive and this is, it's going to be a long five months, folks. <laughs> it's going to be, a t- you know, this election is about approximately 160 days and it's just going to get crazier and there's going to be a lot of misinformation being spread out there. So, you know, don't, don't believe it or at least research it for yourself or listen to Tom or I and we'll try to set you straight on some things. Um, the other one I thought was a kind of a funny meme. It was put on... Um, Facebook by my friend Julie Jager. She, it wasn't original with her, but she posted it. She found it and posted it, and I thought it was pretty funny. Um, it showed Michigan, and the top half was in green, and the bottom half was in orange, and and it said the the top half in green. It said this is the area that the governor has said can reopen, and in the orange it said this is the area that no longer cares what the governor says, <laughs> and I thought that was a pretty funny um, little meme. Uh, and things, speaking of Governor Whitmer, this has been a tough week for her. There's been a couple of things that have come out this week. The first one I wanted to talk about was uh, the Detroit Free Press. And it headline um, says that the, Whit- the, pre- the governor's husband's boat dock request was a bad joke. Um, and here's what the story is about. 
that Governor Gretchen Whitmer said Tuesday that her husband made a failed attempt at humor last week when he asked a boat contractor whether his status as Michigan's first gentleman would help him get his boat in the water ahead of the Memorial Day weekend. I did hear a little about this last week where everyone was criticizing this. Um, He thought it might get a laugh, Whitmer said of her husband, uh, who is a dentist. His name is Mark Mallory. She goes on, it didn't get a laugh. And to be honest, I wasn't laughing either when it was relayed to me because I knew how it would be perceived. She said the controversy was the result of a failed attempt at humor. Whitmer said her husband regrets what he said and called on Michiganders to show kindness and empathy as the state deals with the COVID-19 pandemic that will be around for some time. But earlier this week, Whitmer's office would not comment on whether Mallory uh, cited his unique status when he contacted North Shore Dock LLC, north of Traverse City, before the Memorial Day weekend. We're not going to make it a practice of addressing every rumor that is spread online, Whitmer, spokesman Tiffany Brown said Monday. State Senator Tom Barrett, a Republican from Charlotte, said Monday that he felt he unknowingly became part of a cover-up of the incident, having removed his Facebook post about the incident Friday night after officials in Whitmer's office reached out to him personally through the Senate Republican leader's office to say that the allegations made by the owner of the boat company were untrue. Barrett said Tuesday he does not find Whitmer's explanation credible. The governor needs to explain why her staff was so insistent on Friday that it wasn't true if the whole thing was just a bad joke, Barrett said. I will never trust them again. That brings into question why he trusted them in the first place, but we'll go on. Whitmer's remarks did not address whether her staff had called Senate Republicans to deny Mallory had made the remarks. Whitmer spokesman Chelsea Lewis did not respond to an email asking whether Whitmer's officials had told Senate Republicans on Friday that Mallory never made such remarks. Michigan Republicans were not amused. Using your wife's political office to score favors is not a laughing matter, Laura Cox, the state party chairman, said in a news release. How, how many times has Governor Whitmer's husband told this joke, in quotations, to gain special favors from businessmen? The only joke here is that Governor Whitmer doesn't seem to understand how serious it is for a family member to misuse your office. And then it goes on, Whitmer, um, if you want to read it for yourself, go ahead. But Whitmer just kind of plays the victim, says it's been a tough 12 weeks and these, you know, and, and oh, and, and then at one point she said, uh, you know, there were men outside of my office with rifles near the window. My daughters are scared. Uh, she claims that there was a likeness of her hanged from a noose and effigy at one of the capital protests. I mean, you know, she then, you know, she basically tries to turn it then and say that she's the victim here and everyone's out to get her. And so anyway, that's the, that's the first story that's breaking, which of course, as uh, we know from Richard Nixon, we know from uh, Bill Clinton, uh, when he denied the affair, um, the thing that gets worse when you start trying to cover it up. If she had come forward, if it was true that this was just a bad joke, 
she should have just come right out right from the start and said, yeah, it was stupid. We were not getting any special favors. And, you know, he's not going to do this again. He's sorry. But instead, they lied about it, claimed it didn't happen. We're not going to respond to this. Even got the Republicans in on it saying, we need you to go out and stop this story because it's ridiculous. And for some unknown reason, the Republicans acquiesced and said, okay, we're going to, we'll take your word for it. And now, now she admits it did happen, but it was just a joke. So who knows what the next story will be that they'll come up with if this thing doesn't end. Um, I was going to have a related story, but I can't get into it. So the other big story um, that is out by Jonathan Gosting. It's from a, a site called bridgemichigan.com. And it's a nonpartisan site that I just discovered uh, not too long ago. And it's a really good page. Um, in this one, Whitmer's team gave a green light to contact tracing firm with Democratic ties. And... This was posted May 26th of 2020, and it says, and this one's a, not real complicated, but it's a little more complicated because it has to do with, you know, um, contracts and things. But it says here, Michigan's governor, Gretchen Whitmer's office, gave the green light for a COVID-19 contact tracing, quote unquote, arrangement that she denied knowledge of and canceled amid outcry over a contractor with Democratic ties according to emails obtained by Bridge Magazine. Andrea Tri Taverna, a senior advisor in Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, told colleagues in an April 17th email that Whitmer's office was on board with using a firm run by Mike Kohlhouse, a longtime Democratic campaign consultant from West Michigan. We got the green light from the EOG, which is the executive office of the governor, to move forward with the slightly different organizational arrangement of the con contact tracing volunteer work, Taverna told other health department officials. This would still be working with Mike Colehouse, so work there isn't lost, it's just organized somewhat differently. Health officials say contact tracing is necessary as Michigan tries to control the coron coronavirus pandemic which has killed more than 5,200 state residents since March. Used, used to identify and track those with the disease, the tracing is an important step to inform decisions on when to lift social distancing restrictions. But the Whitmer administration's initial contract ignited a partisan controversy that led to the cancellation of the Colehouse contract and delay in selecting a new vendor. Emails obtained through the public records request appear to show Michigan officials tried to avoid controversy by shifting the work to an apolitical subsidiary of the firm with known political leanings. Taverna's email explained the state would sign a $194,250 contract with Coleman's House, with Colehouse's Great Lakes Community Engagement Firm, instead of Cole House Strategies, which has been doing planning work pro bono since early April and previously submitted its own statement of proposed work. Now, uh, pro bono, for those who don't know, is Latin for like without pay. So they're doing unpaid work to help with her strategy sessions um, to help, uh, I guess, her PR. And so they, they moved it to her, uh, 
to their subsidiary, which is a nonprofit, I mean, to a nonpartisan one. In the April 17th email, Taverna did not explain the motivation for using the alternative firm, but noted that Great Lakes Community Engagement is a separate business entity that serves nonprofit and corporate clients, though owned and staffed by the same individuals as Colehouse Strategies. She also told colleagues that contact tracing volunteers would use call center software from every action van use instead of NGV van. I'm not sure what the van stands for. It's capitalized as if it's an acronym, which is a well-known technical a technology provider for democratic campaigns across the country. Every action is a subsidiary more often used by nonprofits, including Michigan nonprofit association. Asked about the email Tuesday, Whitmer's office reiterated that Colehouse's firm was identif- identified and ultimately approved by officials. Whitmer Communication Director Zach Pohl had responded to a question in an email about the optics of using a vendor that does work primarily for nonprofits, said Tiffany Brown. He was not approving the contract, they claim. Based on a previous phone conversation, the governor's communications director had raised concerns that using a political vendor would be a distraction from the important work that needed to be done. State records show Colehouse, who declined to comment Tuesday, has used, used both Great Lakes Community Engagement and Colehouse Strategies as assumed names for his K2K consulting firm based in Grand Rapids. Uh, skipping down a little bit here, Whitmer canceled the contract a day after it was signed saying it should have been vetted by the State Emergency Operations Center that oversees contracts signed amid the coronavirus pandemic. Under emergency rules, the state is not required to solicit bids from multiple vendors. When it was brought to my attention, I told them to cancel it, Whitmer said in an April 22nd press briefing, calling the contract an unnecessary distraction she wanted to move past in order to launch an incredibly important contact tracing program so um once again she denies everything but then agrees that it did happen and she canceled it when she found out but there again as i mentioned earlier the cover-up is worse than the crime here why did she deny it was true and then then later admit it was true but she canceled it as soon as she found out you know this is this is becoming a habit with her now of denying something outright and then later admitting it but claiming she's taking care of the problem. The, the main problem here is not just a lack of judgment. Um, that is a subsidiary problem. The main problem is that we're supposed to be relying on the governor during this pandemic when she claims that the evidence shows uh, this or that and you can't open because of this and we have to trust her. But she's proving herself to be untrustworthy if we can't trust her about her husband's uh, using his wife's office and we can't trust her about whether or not this contract was signed. How can we believe her when she says that we can't open right now? Um, or when it says that we haven't flattened the curve or whatever else she comes up with. Um, trust is extremely important in a politician. You have to be able to trust them, especially, well, not just a politician, a, a, someone who's in office, uh, I guess, um, you know, when you're the governor People have to be able to trust what you say, especially in a time of an emergency when you have no oversight. And she's saying, you have to trust me on this. When I tell you something is true, 
we have to be able to say, yeah, uh, I trust her. I believe her. If she says it's true, it's true. But if she says it's true and we say, well, we don't know, because in a week she might come up with a different story, you know, that's, that's no way to run a state. So it's, it's been a pretty bad week for her with these two stories coming out. And uh, it's, it's just interesting. They both came out the same week, which I found um, just an interesting coincidence. It seems like in politics, things seem to come in, in waves, like things will go okay. And then suddenly you end up getting, uh, you get hit with, with something. And I'd, I'd be interesting to see if there's a third thing. I mean, there's an old saying that bad news comes in three. So we've got two big things this week that, that has hit the governor. And I'm wondering if there's going to be a third. And I am wondering how this will affect the possibility of, of her being vetted as a vice presidential nominee for Biden. If these things are coming out, he may have second thoughts about or his team, I guess. I, I seriously doubt Biden is sitting down and figuring this all out. Um, his team might be having second thoughts, thinking, we don't know if we want to put her on the ticket if there's going to be a lot of these stories coming out. <clears throat> also in pandemic news, speaking of the pandemic, uh, Coast Guard has been canceled and the fireworks display in Grand Haven has been canceled, which is, I think, really sad. I look forward to these things. This summer is pretty much just going to be every day is the same as the last. It's going to be like the forgotten year. I mean, we'll all remember the pandemic and the, and the shutdown. But when you, you know, but this year, it doesn't feel like an election year to me. Usually the election year is filled with a lot of excitement as, as you're seeing the candidates out and really we're not seeing much. Um, I don't know about the conventions. I, I believe the Republican convention is still planned to be going on. The Democratic one is still up in the air. They're still discussing whether or not they want to have a convention. But, you know, that's, you know, if they don't have conventions, that's going to be kind of a bummer. With no fireworks, what's the 4th of July going to be? Just another day. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just going to be the year that, you know, we didn't, I mean, not that I care, but like they canceled the Tony Awards and uh, stuff like that. I mean... I don't really care about that. But the point is, if you're into those sort of things, it's like, it's just a forgotten year that nothing happened. Every day was like the last. Just, you know, it, this, this summer is going to be pretty dull without anything to break up the monotony. Um, and this week, of course, too, was, uh, we celebrated Memorial Day. I heard on the radio, I didn't see where they got these numbers from, but they said that, 52% of Americans don't know what Memorial Day is. And it kind of surprised me. I don't know, like I said, I, I didn't hear where this study came from or who they polled. But if it's true, that is really appalling and really sad. Memorial Day and Veterans Day often do get confused. Uh, my dad... This year he didn't get too many, but in years past, my dad was a veteran. He had served in Vietnam, and on Memorial Day, he will usually usually gets a lot of texts from friends who will uh, thank him for his service and tell him, you know, we're thinking about you on Memorial Day and all this. And um, the Memorial Day 
typically is supposed to be a day that you remember those who have died, particularly in the service of the country. And then Veterans Day is a day in which you think a veteran who is living. You, you think about the veterans, you celebrate the living veterans. So many people get them confused and think that both days are days we think veterans and and in this. But Memorial Day, um, <clears throat> little history here, was uh, it was called Decorations Day prior to 1966. And it I we don't know really where the tradition started. Um, some say it started on Waterloo, New York. Others talk about how after the Civil War, Confederate widows would go and lay uh, fl- uh, flags, plant flags at the graves and lay flowers at the graves of, of dead Confederates. I do know that in 1871, Michigan was the first state to make Decoration Day a state holiday. And on that day, much like we do these days, on Decoration Day, you would decorate the graves of uh, dead soldiers by putting flags or flowers or things. And some people would decorate their homes too, just in honor. I'm not really sure what that looked like. I've never seen any pictures of it, but but we made it a, a state holiday and we were the first state to do that. And really it was headed up by Michigan's women. The women primarily were the ones, the Women's Auxiliary Relief uh, Group and others went out and, and planted flags and things on Memorial Day or on Decoration Day. But then in 1966, Congress passed and President Lyndon Johnson signed into law Memorial Day, which would be a national holiday that we would just take a break, very much like Thanksgiving, where we stop. We have a day where we just stop the hustle and bustle to give thanks to God for all of the blessings that we've had. Memorial Day was to be a day that, again, we stop the hustle and bustle. Everyone, you know, you get the day off of work and everyone can <clears throat> and everyone can stop and just remember our veterans and our, our, our the people who have died in the cause of freedom. And, you know, and yeah, a lot of people have uh, parties and barbecues and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's just a day to stop and remember. And it used to be on May 30th and it would float around and they wanted to make it uh, Monday so that you could have a three-day weekend. So, um, so it didn't bounce around and you wouldn't have like days in the middle of the week where you'd have off. And then uh, I th- sometimes I think that only a Christian can really understand the sacrifice that, that soldiers made for our freedoms. And I say that because we have a savior who gave his life for ours, um, for our freedom, our spiritual freedom. And, you know, I think about this quite often when I think about the soldiers. There's, a, related to the uh, Christianity, there, there's a great old story about Abraham Lincoln, which might be apocryphal. I don't know. I'd like to believe it's true. It's a story that came out a couple of years after he died. It was based on some witnesses who had been there. But because Lincoln was murdered, he never got a chance to write his autobiography or give interviews. And so sometimes the things you hear, you don't know if they're just romanticizing Lincoln later on. But the story goes that after the fall of Richmond, Lincoln had visited 
that, that city. And because people had died so rapidly, soldiers had died so rapidly, they would just stack the bodies at the side of the road until they could get burial, burial sites for them. And so when Lincoln visited the town of Richmond after it had fallen, along the line of the route that he was riding in, there were just stacks and stacks of bodies just laying there. I mean, the stench was unbelievable, according to witnesses. This part we do know happened, um, that he visited there and there were all these bodies and he was moved by it. But what, what the people who were with him said was that he, he talked about the sacrifice that these people had made and, and how they had fought to free slaves and they didn't know these slaves. And he, and he was just taken aback by the fact that slavery didn't affect them. They were white. They were free. They were not going to be enslaved. But they gave their life for someone else, for someone else's freedom. And he said it was the first time that it all started to make sense, all of those stories that he had heard in Sunday school about Christ giving his life for for us to be free. And he said, and it finally resonated when he understood the great sacrifice that these people had made for somebody else. And, and they say that that is when Lincoln finally accepted Christ as his savior was when upon the realization when that finally just clicked for him. And I, and I, I think about this a lot when I was in Colonial Williamsburg in Virginia. I was there with my friends Brad Norman and Eric Johnson, and we were visiting there, and we went to this little church, and, Brad, and it had a courtyard with a number of grave sites. And Brad had gone into the church, and Eric and I remained out there looking at some of the graves, and there was one that really caught my eye and really made me sad as I, as I saw it. And it said, unknown Revolutionary War soldier. And even then, this was, this was several years ago, and it occurred to me that this guy fought and died in the Revolution, in the War of Independence, so that we could be a free nation. And I thought, and we don't know who he was. He's known only to God. The, you know, he, he gave so much for us, and his name isn't even recorded. He's just buried in an unnamed grave. His parents never knew what happened to him, if he's married or if he had kids. They never know what happened. He went off to war and he never came back. And he gave the ultimate sacrifice, but there's no monument you know, there's no monument. His name isn't recorded in history. And so many of our veterans are like that. Like my grandfather served in World War II, and he was an honorable man and a good man, but there are no monument, monuments to my grandfather. You know, there are no, <clears throat> his name isn't enshrined in any great memorial, and they don't talk about him in history. And a majority, a vast majority of the people who sacrificed and gave their life for our country and for our freedoms are not remembered, and they won't be. Their sacrifice, 
that what they fought for will be remembered. But they themselves, after a generation or two, nobody remembers who they are. And I just, I think about this a lot, that it is a sacrifice that we can't repay for our freedom. There's nothing we can do for all of them. Uh, and it, and so on Memorial Day, I think about it quite a bit. You know, to say thank you to a veteran or to offer them a discount, uh, you know, at Menards or something. I mean, it's a nice gesture, but it doesn't go very far for the living and the dead, whether they're, they're still alive or whether they're not. It doesn't seem like there's much we can do to show our appreciation. And, you know, I, my dad, of course, didn't die in Vietnam, but, you know, and this might be more appropriate for Veterans Day, but I'll just share it now. You know, when he came back from Vietnam, you know, he wasn't, he didn't have anything against the Vietnamese. The Vietnamese didn't attack us or anything. There were geopolitical reasons why we fought in Vietnam. It wasn't a reaction to like Pearl Harbor or things like this where we were attacked and we went back and fought them. So my dad didn't have anything against the Vietnamese, but my dad wanted to serve his country. I mean, he loved his country, wanted to serve it. And they sent him to Vietnam. He didn't ask to go to Vietnam. He went wherever they sent him. And he served honorably over there. And when he came home, though, uh, my mom tells me this story. My dad really doesn't talk about it very much. But mom said when he came home, they were at the airport. And she was waiting. And when he got off, these, there were all these protesters, you know, who called him and his, and his uh, fellow soldiers' names like, baby killer and, and things like this. And they spit on him and spit on his friends and had these placards and just, they were just horrible. And my mom said it, it really affected my dad. I mean, to go over there and to fight for your country and to come home and not have anyone appreciate it. And I think about that sometimes when I'm with him, we'll go like to Home Depot or Menards or something, buy something and they'll give him a military discount. And I think, yeah, it's a nice gesture, but man, it doesn't seem like it's enough. I mean, my dad, you know, went over there and served and, and came back and didn't have any respect. I mean, he said at times he didn't want to tell people that he served over there because there was so much hatred for people who served in Vietnam as if, you know, as if the soldiers were somehow evil, you know, whether or not you agreed with the Vietnam conflict, it wasn't. My dad didn't start it. You know, he was a soldier. I mean, you can blame Johnson or Nixon or whoever for sending him there, but it wasn't his fault that he got sent to Vietnam. Uh, and I, I just think it's just a small, you know, and it's just a small gesture. And I think, I don't know what we can do for people like that, you know. Now, how can we show our appreciation to make up for those things? You know, it, I don't really know how to do it. And... I think about even, like I said, Memorial Day. It doesn't seem to be enough just to have one day where we think, we think about the veterans who have served. It's, it's a nice gesture, and I appreciate it. I'm glad we do it. But it just doesn't seem enough to lay a flag on someone's grave or put some flowers and say, you know, yeah, we remember you today. It seems like their sacrifice was so great. And I, I don't know. I, I just... 
I wish there was something more we can do. And, and I often feel that way about salvation too. I know most of our listeners are Christians. You just don't know what to do when it comes to honoring someone who has given so much and done so much. And it seems like everything we do is so small, like even being in prayer or tithing or, you know, reading, reading scripture, like it is, you know, or just singing and praising. It is so small a gesture. It, not that it's not worth it, but it almost feels like it's not even close it, it, to, to giving what, what you should, what you, what they deserve. And so I just thought I'd bring that up because it's sometimes we do forget. And I know I forget. I, I, lots of times over the years, we'll just think about Memorial Day as the first day of summer. And, and I've usually got plans usually not, not this year, but I've usually got plans. People are coming over or I'm going somewhere or, you know, it's kind of a busy day. It's a lot like Christmas in some ways, you know, the Christmas season where, you know, instead of sitting back and thinking about the Christ child being born, you know, we're so busy during Christmas. And even sometimes Thanksgiving, making the meals and stuff, we're not spending a lot of time thinking about, about um, thinking God. But, but yeah, it's a good reminder every once in a while to think about uh, what Memorial Day means and and the sacrifices that were made on our behalf. Um, so that's all I was going to say about Memorial Day. So I wanted to give on a little bit, a, a much lighter note, I wanted to talk a little bit about, just real quickly, about some of the things that's going on here. Um, we are going to have a website up. Oh, we already have a website up. And uh, <clears throat> we'll, uh, I don't have all the details about like the, like what the name of it is or anything like that or how to find it, but we'll have that on Facebook and other things so we can find that. But I want you to be looking for that. And like I, I said before, I, we really do want to hear your comments and questions and things because sometimes it is difficult, especially in this time of coronavirus, when that's what most of the news is about. Uh, sometimes it's difficult to always find topics to talk about. You know, you look through the news and you try to find something interesting. Sometimes you just can't find it. So, you know, there are some days, it's almost the night before my broadcast, when I finally find something, I'll look all week and be like, well, this is not really, you know, this is like a one sentence story. I can't really make anything out of this. And you know, and I'll be browsing all week trying to find something that, you know, we can talk about. So it would be really helpful if, you know, you put comments and ideas and give feedback because um, you're the viewer, you're the listener and you're the boss. You know, if, if you don't, if you don't, uh, if you want to hear something, we need to know. I'd rather you tell us or tell me personally. And I know Tom feels the same way, you know, tell us. If there's something you want to see or hear about, not see, this is the radio. Um, if you want to hear about it and you want to talk about it, yeah, let us know. And uh, I'm going to, we're going to be trying to get some interviews and stuff. I'd like to get some interviews. There's some people that I haven't reached out to yet, but I'd like to get some interviews with them, you know, pick their brain a little bit. Um, not, 
some of them would be, if I could get them, would be really interesting. Some of them would have very different political viewpoints than myself. And uh, I would like to not, not like fight them or debate them, but I would like to find out why they think sometimes the way they think. I mean, I'm always fascinated in that. Uh, you know, if a person's an atheist, I, I'm curious as to why they're an atheist. You know, tell me about it. What makes you, you know, and, uh, you know, it'd be great if I could convince them not to be an atheist, but, you know, it's really just a matter of faith. But, I, you know, but I like to find out, pick their brain a little bit. You know, what makes you that? Why, you know, you know, and just, just ask different questions. If a person's a Democrat or a liberal, were they born in a family that was liberal? Um, what makes them a liberal? If they were born in a conservative family and now they're liberal, what brought about that change? What, you know, what did they, what happened that would make them start believing this? If a person is, grew up in a Christian household and becomes Jewish, I'm curious as to what happened there? What, you know, what made you turn your back on those teachings? Do you not believe them? Do you think, you know, um, you know, I just don't want to bring people on just to argue with them and be like, you're stupid. Let me, let me tell you why. I'm just genuinely curious if a person has a different view, viewpoint, what brought them to that viewpoint? You know, if you're a progressive, what would make them a progressive? Why would they think the government should take care of, of you? Why do they, you know, I'd like to know what they think. And, and so I think it'd be really interesting to bring some people on every once in a while, not, not every week, but, you know, just every once in a while to talk to them, find out why they think what they think, uh, why they believe what they believe. And, um, so it seems like big things are happening. You know, we got the website up. We're going to have, uh, some really interesting interviews and topics and, and we want to hear from you. And, and, oh, and the, on the website too, which is going to be really exciting. We're going to have articles. So now instead of just hearing us read articles and things, we can actually post some articles and some things that we've written and, um, it should be really interactive and fun. I'm really looking forward to it. So uh, we'll have that out maybe this week on Facebook or... It's connected to Facebook. Oh, it's to Facebook. Um, so yeah, you should be able to check it out right now. And so yeah, definitely do that. I would encourage you to do that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward. This is going to be a great summer. And uh, as the election approaches... Like I said, like 160 days or something. It's going to get real exciting here. And there's going to be a lot of misinformation and a lot of things to talk about. Michigan's definitely going to be in play. Uh, and we don't know. We still don't know who Biden's going to pick as his VP. Uh, I doubt it will be Whitmer, but you never know. You never know. Uh, she's definitely being vetted, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting next five months for sure. Yeah, so check out the Facebook. Be sure to rate, like, subscribe, comment, whatever, all those things. And um, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.